I'm going to share with you about how to set up your digital environment, or like I call it, being a better cyborg. You know, if you go to Google right now and you put in two words, most connected, my name will come right up. I have a TED Talk. There are five TED Talks that mention me. I've been on the cover of magazines, on television, on Netflix, in the show Darknet. I have a book, and I've done work for companies all over the world. Most importantly, I've spent a lot of time in Moscow and St. Petersburg, and I love Russia. Today, I'm going to be helping all of us talk about becoming a better cyborg or setting up your digital environments. But before we do that, we have to talk about the world today. You know, if we go back to the early 1900s, technology was made fun of. We thought that if we had a telegram, we would ignore each other. If we go back to the 1920s, the newspapers used to say that if we had telephones, we would ruin weddings and a telephone would make everything bad. And then in the 50s, we thought newspapers would make everything difficult. The reality is every decade, something comes along that we say makes life more difficult. Even now, we're still complaining about phones. The good news is how we use our phones can radically change the life we have and how we spend time in the world being healthy and happy. Today, look around. Even the youngest people have technology in their bodies full time, whether in their ears or on their wrists or in their pockets. And even the youngest amongst us, if they don't have technology, learn to use it to reach out, connect and make life better. In this instance, here's a young person who couldn't reach their father, but they knew their father would ring the doorbell, so they went to the doorbell to call their father. Everywhere around us, technology is shaping us and who we are and what we become. But let's start and look back at my life for just a moment. I was born in 1968, and I grew up in the 1970s. All I had was television and a few video games, and the calculators and watches and small bits of technology that my parents used. But by the 1980s, my bedroom was full of computers. By the 1990s, I had it in my pockets and I was carrying it around. And by the 2000s, my office and home were surrounded with hundreds of computers. Today, life is just like that. But for me, in 2008, all of this hit a wall, crash because at that point, I had become overwhelmed by the technology. I was 40 years old. I was on different heart medications. I smoked a lot of cigarettes, drank a lot of soda, and I'd even been to rehab once. My life was a mess. So I thought to myself, with all the technology in the world that I have access to, what could I do to get better? To do that, I looked at all the devices in my life every day, and I said to myself, why don't I know as much about me as all of my devices? Then I thought, what if I built a way to display everything that I did on these devices in real time? This is something you can do today easily, but in 2008, it was radical. My idea was to take all the information, anytime I sent an email, posted on social media, had a drink of water, and it would automatically understand what I was doing and write to my Google Calendar. 
My Google Calendar back in the 2000s filled up with thousands of entries that let me go in and search and understand how I was spending each day. Simple things that we think are meaningless ended up meaning a lot. For instance, putting things on social media where I was drinking too much or unhealthy, my friends loved those and they interacted with them a lot. But if I went out for a walk and tried to get healthy, not so much. If I spent too much time streaming television, I procrastinated. And if I went online and complained, I was usually more mean to people in real life. Almost 15 years ago, these insights helped me take control of my life and make my life different and better. But the most radical thing happened to me in 2016 during this change because I got married. And getting married means how you use your technology changes. So I had to look at my whole life once again and go beyond a Google Calendar and think about how me, my family, all interacted with each other. Because now it just wasn't me, it was we. And that meant my spouse, our animals, my business. And when you see all of these connections, it's more about not just doing it for you, it's about doing it for everyone in your life. You are faced with one question, what's important? You have so much data, whether it's on your Google Calendar or in your phone, but for me, this was a big deal when I thought about everyone I was connected to, children, spouse, and animals. So I created a system to actually log and map what I thought was important. We call these values, things like health, home, family. And these values allowed me to link to everything from paying bills, to coming to events, to even picking up my phone and which apps I used. It starts really with, for me, in the end, how I looked at my home. Because my home had to be set up for comfort, and anyone could do this today, but it also had to be set up for safety. And we all know today with so much change in the world, technology and safety are intrinsically linked together. So that meant at my home, looking for the big things that could affect it, like floods, because flood is something we have here where I live in Houston. But beyond floods, fuel shortages, uh, air pollution, electricity outages, even water outages are all common. So all the technology to help make me better extended to my family and to my home. And the technology that we put in and around the home, since such things like rain gauges or security cameras, or even tying our technology to the bridge that lets us know how high the stream is. This is important because technology now in my life extends not only to my home, but to my pets. Today, if our pets get out or get lost during a disaster, they're hard to find. If our pets are unhealthy, not getting enough exercise or itching too much, we can tell. But what about your life? What can you do today? Well, the first thing we need to talk about is becoming cyborg. Every single one of you is a cyborg. Hopefully a happy cyborg, but by the end of the talk, you'll be happier. But what is a cyborg? You are a cyborg. My friend Amber Case in 2010 had a great TED talk called We Are All Cyborgs Now. And the term cyborg doesn't mean a robot, doesn't mean an android or something from science fiction. It just means an organism or a person who uses technology to enhance their lives. Think about your phone for a moment. It looks like just a phone, but all the things your phone does boost who you are and what you can do. Everything from making sound lighter or the screen softer, 
Everything from recording the environment around you to connecting to your home to condition it. The way we think about how we're all connected to our devices needs to radically change today and for the better. Because over the next 10 years, the way that you are surrounded by technology is going to radically change your life. And that means we need to talk about this positively. Because in the past, the decisions we made here in red and the decisions, I'm sorry, here in black, and the decisions that computers made here in red were about equal. But today, they are growing exponentially. So things you think you do automatically are probably being influenced by the technology around you. There are three cyborg environments that you need to be aware of every time you enter the world. The first one is biological. All the different devices and services that help you control your health. The second one we don't think about often enough is behavioral. The things that influence you to act and be different, like my Google Calendar. And finally, the last one are environmental ways that our environments influence us. So let's look at each one of these and things you can do today to make your life better, happier, and stronger. I call these your digital domains. In these digital domains, there are a few of them that we're going to give a highlight. But most importantly, I have a tool that you can use after this talk to go back and look at all of them. These domains are activity, nutrition, rest, focused, mental or mind, and work. And the domains, as we just talked about, are biological, behavioral, environmental. So let's, let's give a really simple example, activity. We all know there's a, the most important thing you can do, especially today, is stay active. But what types of things can you do to stay active? Well, there are software programs that we can install on our laptops and our home computers or even our devices will tell us to get up and move. This is a simple example of how a biological behavior nudge can actually influence our behavior day to day. If you don't have a smartwatch, setting up a reminder on your phone every hour to get up and do something can be a great way just to stay simply active. But what about beyond kind of activity and just knowing to get up? Our devices influence our mood through the brightness or what's called circadian rhythm. So whether you're on Android or Apple or Windows, all these devices can be set to understand the sun outside so you know to get up and move. One of my favorite apps developed in Russia is Endel. And Endel is an application that uses sound to let you know where your mind is in the daylight. Circadian rhythm acts by looking at the, what time of day and what your behavior is, and Endel is an, an app that does an amazing job on that. The second domain we're gonna look at for your digital environments is nutrition. Logging food used to be really difficult, but today, everything from digital assistants that you can speak to, hey Siri, log water. Well, go ahead and log these things for me to cameras on our devices that will go ahead and bring up and ask me, what do I want to take a picture of and then log the food. Logging food is the single most important thing you can do to get healthier. People who log their food lose on an average of 50% more weight than people who don't. Even if you don't change your diet, just logging your food will help you lose weight. One of my favorite hacks for logging food is to log food you haven't eaten that you want to, and then tell your computer that you're done for the day 
it will tell you how much weight you gained. And then you could say, you can deal with a pound, I'll have the donut. What about rest? To me, rest is the most important thing you can do after you've moved and eaten. Rest is so important that we sometimes forget to prioritize it. Today, again, our smart devices, whether they be phones or wearables, all tell you how to optimize rest. But more importantly, unlike devices from just two years ago, today's devices can connect to your house and your systems like your music and tell you to start a routine. For example, in my house at nighttime, the lights dim, soft music comes on, even the temperature lowers. So this is radically important for you to understand that your environments can be not only linked to the things you want to do, but help you get them done. One of my favorite apps is called Sleep Cycle. Sleep Cycle, you don't need a sensor to wear, it's free. It measures your sleep by laying your phone either on your bed or next to your bed and uses the microphone to know how much you're moving around. What I like about Sleep Cycle is it ties to the moon. So just yesterday was a full moon. And that means most people don't sleep well on the full moon and Sleep Cycle can actually track that for you. What about non-obvious things like focus, how much we're paying attention and thinking and being well in our thoughts. Today, again, whether you're on Apple or Google or even other operating systems, how our devices track our time and allow us to put breaks and limit. Maybe you wanna go out and exercise some more. One of the things you can do is put a limit on your social media until you've exercised. It's something I did back in 2008 and it's something you can do today without any programming. What about driving? One of my favorite things to do is turn on the sensor for when I'm driving so that if someone text messages me, it sends a message that says I'm busy right now. A little life hack, you can also use this for when you're in meetings or at dinner to let your friends know, I'm eating with my friends and family, I'll call you back in an hour. Think of it as out of office for food. One of my newest favorite tools that I shared with a friend of mine, Greg, are these. These are the new Ray-Ban Meta glasses. What I love about these is focus is they allow me to put them on and quickly take pictures by either speaking to them, hey, Facebook, take a picture. Or I can press a button and they'll take a picture for me. The other great thing about these is the speaker is built into the side. So you don't have to actually look at your phone. You can hear directions, listen to a podcast while you're watching the world. And then lastly, but not least, when we're thinking about our main systems, our mind. It can be overwhelming. Depression and anxiety can all be a bit much when you're thinking about technology. Today, there are ways to help you meditate from screen programs to apps to wearables to even the Alexa in your house can help you meditate through smart assistants. One of my favorite new ways of thinking about how to optimize my environments is this, the Amazon uh, a Halo. This product actually listens to me speak all day long and gives me a score on how positive, angry, frustrated, or happy I am. And I can go back and look at who I was with and how I was feeling. Revolutionary. But what about work? We still have to find time to work today. One of my favorite things to do when I think about work in my digital environments is making sure I understand how I'm spending my time. It's very easy to get on your laptop or your phone and forget what you were doing. My favorite way of doing this is using tools to help me control my time. Two really simple ones that I love are email. 
Email allows you today to snooze or schedule email to send later. Now this sounds simple, but being in control of your time by saying, I'll deal with that later, or I'll send that later, helps you relax more in the moment. But what about tools that help you do everything more on your computers? My favorite for that is something called Rescue Time that looks at the websites or applications you're using every single day and gives you a score based on what you say is important. Rescue Time is a radically cool tool that anyone can use and they have free plans. Last but not least for work, something we don't think about enough is noise. If you've ever been someplace and tried to get work done when it's loud, it can be really hard. Today, watches and phones all listen for sound in the background and can alert you if it's too much. I wanna give you two bonus sections. The first one is on family because I think family and technology is something we don't talk about enough. When you think about your family, just don't think about your technology use, but think about everyone in your family. If you've got children today, whether you're, you're, you use Apple or Amazon or Google, all these companies have ways to set up family accounts to help you interact with your children and your spouse. More importantly, they even have ways to help you talk to your children about what they're watching. So on streaming services, they can alert you if your kid's watching movies or other shows that might make them feel not so happy and then suggest things to talk about with them. Most importantly, at home in your house, everything from smart lighting to security cameras to your doorbell can be linked up to help keep you and your family healthier and happier. I wanted to leave you with one last thing that I think is just so radically important when we think about the future. I've done a lot with my life that I think anyone can do today. So this last one isn't a specific tool or a specific technology, but it's something you can do right away. Today, there is a movement on earth called no code. They sometimes say low code as in it's lower code or no code. Why I'm sharing this last piece of technology ideology with you is because I want each of you to consider what you could do with your life if you understood what you were connected to, but more importantly, could see it. Back when I started in 2008, it was impossible to get information out of computers. But today, it's as easy as putting on your watch, putting on your glasses, or picking up your phone and listening to music. But how do you get that information and where do you put it? The no-code movement has made this revolutionarily easy. Lots of tools out there will allow you to extract your data and manage it. There are even templates to help you get started. But what is no code? That term doesn't mean anything. It just means you don't need to be a computer programmer to actually create computer programs anymore. Now, maybe you've never heard of this, maybe this is new to you, but Google no code. The fundamental principles of no code is it's cloud-based, which means you don't have to worry about your computer losing your computer, it's always there you access. It's challenge focused. So maybe you wanna create a no code application for your family to help you lose weight. Or maybe you wanna create a low code application to log where you go and what you do. It's community centered. So no code options often allow you to collaborate. Maybe you and all your friends build a system where you loan each other money or keep track of cryptocurrency. And it's decentralized. 
A lot of no-code tools today can easily be ported from one system to another. And then finally, low bandwidth. There are hundreds of low-code tools out there that are free and open source, but most importantly, you can create them. I personally like Airtable for my no-code tools. Two of my favorite systems I've created in the last two years, I share freely with the world. And the QR code right on the screen will allow you to access those systems today. One helps you manage your finances during COVID, and the other one helps you create a neighborhood system where people can upload skills or tools they have to share with everyone in the community through a web form. No programmer app needed, and you can start using these today using this URL or putting in Airtable Chris Dancy. I've got those links on my site. But beyond Airtable, there are lots of tools that you can use in the no-code movement, depending on what you want to do. Maybe you're a small business. Maybe you're in healthcare. All these tools work by using drag-and-drop interfaces so that you can make your digital environments even better. With that, I've created four additional things that everyone in the audience can do after today's keynote beside the no-code templates. The first is this presentation. This presentation was full of information. And I tried to speak clearly, but sometimes I go really fast. You can scan that QR code and get to this presentation. You can scan the next QR code and get a copy of my book. I put a copy out there for everybody here to tell you how I did what I did over the last 15 years. All the tools I've mentioned today, you can scan the QR code or go to thehabitstore.io. All the tools are listed there with links to every single one of them, plus tools I couldn't even get to today. And last but not least, me. I love helping people all over the world. I've met some of the coolest people in Russia when I visited. That QR code will give you my phone number, my email address, and ways that you can contact me today. I do this because I believe technology was meant to make us all closer. And with that, we can make the world better. I'm going to finish up now and take some questions. So if you have any questions, please let me know. And I'm going to hand it back over to Greg right now. Thank you so much for everything today. Chris, thank you so much for this presentation. Fascinating, as usual, with you. Uh, I have several questions. And after that, I will ask you some questions submitted by our audience. The first one concerns privacy. Because you mentioned that you share lots of data on yourself with uh, technological corporations and startups. Uh, with the uh, Amazon Echo, with other gadgets that you are wearing, are you not afraid to lose privacy? Yes, that is commonly a question. Good to see you again, Greg, by the way. Um, you too. That is commonly a question. I'm going to say something outrageous, so brace yourselves. Uh, I don't believe in privacy. I understand that people sometimes worry about governments and corporations. Governments and corporations are not going away. Our ability to be controlled by governments and corporations existed long before technology. It will exist long after technology, especially if you go back 100 years. There was no privacy. Everybody knew everything about each other because we lived so close together. I think the important question we need to ask ourselves about technology today is not privacy, but safety. 
are you using your technology in a way that helps you stay safe and continue to be safe? We'll never be able to control the corporations and governments that watch us. We can control how safe we feel. If using technology does not make you feel safe because of surveillance, pay attention to that. Most importantly, you have to feel good. But I think for most of you, just like we surrendered to the amount of technology we use every day, we need to lose this idea of privacy. It doesn't help anyone. Well, Chris, I completely agree with you on uh, your opinion uh, regarding uh, privacy or lack thereof. Privacy as a concept maybe is not necessary for us, but the problem is how uh, these data uh, are used by those corporations or startups. And we have seen many scandals over the recent time regarding the social media giants such as Facebook or now Meta, uh, YouTube, etc. Uh, those corporations, uh, their algorithms, uh, the way they use our data may lead to, for example, polarization of society, radicalization yes. of youths, support uh, of uh, flat earth theories or uh, conspiracy yes. theories in respect of COVID. Um, uh, yeah. you, you definitely have read the same articles as I did. In addition, yeah. fear of missing yeah. out, you know, Instagram stories, you watch them, you feel this yeah. FOMO uh, feeling that you are missing out on things. How to cope with that? You're 100% right. There's nothing I can do to control the polarization in society. I couldn't do it 100 years ago. I can't do it today. And I can't do it in the future. What I can do is control polarization within me. So there are tools we can add onto our technology, like you said, for FOMO and Instagram. There are tools by people that are on the site that I linked in the, in the show that block. So if you're trying to scroll, it stops. It also doesn't allow your uh, feed to go out of time order. So again, the companies aren't gonna make these tools available to you, but there are add-on products for all the social media that make what you consume easier. Does that make sense? So you need to add a product on top of it to make it better for you. So I can't control what Mark Zuckerberg does. I can't control how I consume it. Yeah, I agree. But sometimes we just cannot uh, add any product. I have not heard, for example, of uh, any additional apps that help you with your consumption of TikToks or Instagram Reels. Yeah, the same uh, user that I mentioned earlier, his name is Ben Grossman. All of his applications work on TikTok, Instagram, mm -hmm. Twitter, and Facebook. On Facebook, they hide the numbers of likes and comments. On TikTok, they block this, or I'm sorry, on a Snapchat, they block streaks. Uh, so there are tools. Think of them as mm -hmm. braces, like you have for your teeth. But for social media, they put a wrapper around the tools. So you can't use it like they want you to use it. You haven't heard of such tools for TikTok. Maybe that's that's the way to do it. Sounds great. It's the only way right now. It's the only way right now. I wish there was a yeah. better way. Yeah, because otherwise uh, we are just overwhelmed with uh, all those uh, rapid uh, dopamine-inducing flow of endless content. Uh, it's it's crazy. We, we are not ready for this. Yeah, it's, I think it's important to talk about it, but it's also important to help people know that there is a way out. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Because if we just tell them they're hopelessly addicted, that doesn't help anyone. You bring us some hope today. Uh, let's continue with the uh, recent trend, the creation of mm, the metaverse or metaverses by different companies. Facebook has uh, declared uh, its, uh, its priority to create uh, the metaverse. Other companies followed. What do you think will happen with the uh, being a happy cyborg in the age of the metaverse if we all move there will it be uh, more difficult to remain uh, mindful and happy i'll be honest the one thing i'm most worried about is the metaverse until now the technology we used had an interface so i could look at it i could put a wrapper on it do you know what i mean like i was saying for tiktok yeah i can uh, my keyboard i can have it stop but in the metaverse It's immersive, you know, so I can't really put wrappers around things. The other thing about the metaverse that is concerning is how everything is a digitized value with cryptocurrency and DAOs. So I think we need to be very careful about that going forward, because I don't personally right now see a way to get value out of the metaverse. And what I mean by that is today I can extract all that I Facebook takes all my data, but I take it back. You know, uh, Apple takes all my data, but I take it back. I don't know if that's possible in the metaverse, but it's still early days. So I'm hopeful, but I, I, it's just too soon for me to see. Luckily, I'm over 50. I don't think I'll be alive and it won't matter. Now, Greg, you have to worry. <laughs> I'm sure that you as a biohacker and a cyborg will uh, live to see those days. Let's, oh, no. <laughs> let, let's hope we'll figure it out because uh, there will be people, will. enthusiasts like you and the people you mentioned who will build products to for us to cope with uh, the same yeah. problems in, in the metaverse. How much memory in your gadgets does this combination of different program, programs take? Because you use a lot of apps. A monthly, I have about five terabytes of data back and forth to the internet. So I use a terabytes. lot of data, terabytes of data. So it's very expensive. From a storage standpoint, I have data in the cloud. So I have 150 terabytes of just mail, but I've got close to an exabyte of actually life data in the cloud. Uh, so it takes a lot. Uh, but I also store stuff on premise because I, I don't trust You know, if mm -hmm. we've seen where big companies can come in, at least here in the United States, and they can take you offline. You know, they've kicked PayPal's stopped uh, taking money away from people. Amazon Web Services has taken down websites. So, you know, I have a lot, but I'm also double backed up both in the cloud and here, like across the room. You can't see it. I can turn my camera around. There's a whole server array. <laughs> Wow, not everybody can do that, but maybe not everybody no. needs to be as thorough as you are in in recording. Start simple. Start simple. Just back up your photos and your bank statements. You know, I always tell people start simple. <laughs> uh, and what about your uh, smartphone? Uh, how much memory does it take to store the apps? on it the apps for tracking yourself not much uh my smartphone i have the latest one i have a, a terabyte on it uh and it's only about half used because a lot of the data is synced with the cloud so my health of my health apps don't take up much space at all today it's much different uh than it used to be just five years ago do you have enough time to track all those different parameters because uh, uh our viewer says it's impossible it would seem impossible 
The key to it is, if you remember in the presentation, I talked about the three domains, uh, biological, behavioral, and environmental. When you look at those domains, you have to make sure you have all the data happening, low friction. So it seems impossible because you think I'm writing it all down, but I'm not writing it down. It happens automatically in the background. When it moves into one of those domains, I look at the app that it's in and then have a program pull that data out and down. I only manually log one thing every single day, and that's a journal where I type uh, how I'm feeling and what I'm mm -hmm. thinking. I guess uh, it took you uh, some time to uh, create the system. That was the most time-consuming activity probably, right? Yeah, so 15 years to get to this point. But today, like I shared earlier, I have two templates on the web that anyone can download and start to play with both money and community support. Also, there are a lot of videos if you go to chrisdancy.com slash how to, where I show you step by step how to actually start to take control of your life. For me, the most important thing that each one of us can do is be aware that we do have an option. We, we don't have to surrender. And then how to get started. Top three devices, gadgets that you use. Name them. Something I mentioned to you the other day is these are new. These are my new favorite thing ever. These are the new Facebook glasses or meta glasses. Um, I use them all the time. I don't need them to work on the computer because I'm farsighted, but outside they're great to take pictures. They're great to talk to, listen to podcasts because I don't have to do anything. I'm just wearing glasses anyway. I'd say my next favorite device is the new Amazon Halo. It's nice to have something watch me speak and tell me if I'm getting angry. <laughs> Sometimes I can be really angry without knowing it. And I'd say my third one is probably something that I don't even put on my body. It's the lights in my house. So all the lights in my house, I can just speak to. Alexa, turn off showtime. And having the ability to have everything around you change lighting or, or, or the color of the lighting makes life so much calmer, more interesting and fun. Alexa, turn on showtime. <laughs> Smart home uh, is an impressive technology, of course, but I'm still too paranoid to wear Amazon Echo uh, all the time because <laughs> I think th some things should remain private, at least for now. Maybe yes. in future, privacy will <laughs> no longer exist, as you say, but during our times here, we still have, have the way to control it. But it's about balance, don't you think? Yes, you, you, exactly. I, and, and that's it. There are some places in my life, Greg, where I have no technology. Uh, tomorrow, I will get in my car and drive to a cabin four hours away. There is no internet anywhere at that cabin. Uh, now, I'm not doing that to escape technology. For me, it's just like you said, it's about balance. I love being outside. It's I can't exist. I still have a compass right? I'll still have a flashlight. Those are technologies, but I won't be able to do much else. But do you believe in the digital detox? Because uh, nope. as for me, I sometimes <laughs> feel that I'm too consumed by the gadgets, uh, the apps. I just need to spend some time like, like you do in the cabin without any of the gadgets. You don't feel this uh, impulse. No, no. I, I'll have the gadgets with me. So it's not, they just won't do a lot because they can't connect to the internet. For me, when I was taking digital detox, it made my life harder because I would go on meditation retreat for 10 days with no, I'd just take off my watch, you'd take, leave everything. And I'd come back and I was more stressed coming back. 
because I measured, I knew. For me, finding a way to live with the technology and actually slow myself down. So like even the screens on my phone, they go in order to slowness. So super slow, not as slow, uh, less slow. So even the order I scroll back controls my time perception. So for some people, digital detox is so important. For me, it was about finding balance and living with the technology, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, but the next logical question would be, don't you think that you are addicted to technology? That uh, if, if, if you feel worse without it, uh, isn't it a bad thing? Is, isn't it better to not be addicted to anything, to be free from uh, this addiction, to feel okay mm -hmm. regardless of the fact uh, whether you have electricity in your home or not? Because who knows what can happen? Um, I feel bad when I don't have water. I feel bad when I don't have my spouse. I feel bad when I can't exercise, but I don't think I'm addicted to water. I don't think I'm addicted to love. And I don't think I'm addicted to exercise. Now, some people do get addicted to exercise, right? Yeah. To me, it's, it's about understanding, like I said in my talk, technology is a natural extension to who I am. Could I take all my technology and go just live in a cabin permanently without anything? Yes. Would I miss my technology? No, I wouldn't miss it one bit. But for right now in my life, I don't have an option. I have to have a job and I have to have a connection to the world. Would I rather us go back to a time where that didn't exist? Yes. I'm not <laughs> saying that this is the most optimal state. I'm just saying this is where we are. Yeah, now now our viewers uh, <laughs> have uh, realized that you are, after all, human, yeah. though you are a yes. um, cyborg. cyborg. <laughs> but cyborg, deep inside, yes. deep inside, you are human. <laughs> deep inside, I'm super, I'm probably more human than most. <laughs> okay, Chris, uh, as always, uh, it's been a great pleasure uh, speaking with you. Unfortunately, we uh, have to move on. Thank you so much for your presentation and for your insightful answers.